Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. The new guy, what the heck's his name? Brian, Brian S. He says, uh, St. Pius X, school closed. <laughs> and I just started laughing. <laughs> and my wife started laughing. That's funny. Either, either he's a Chicago fan or he's Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> because or he's, he's Jewish. <laughs> yeah, or, or he's listened to our podcast, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, not the jambalaya school. Uh, jambalaya. <laughs> oh, the Jamok. Uh, the, yeah. the Jamok school. Yeah. Jamok Academy. Yeah. Jamok yeah. Academy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like, oh, a bunch of Jamoks go there. Yeah. Like every time I drive by that, I, you know, and it's obviously not named because of that, but it's. No, it's not. No. <laughs> I, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah. 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 It is. Because my favorite mill standard is mill standard 12D. Oh, I don't. I don't remember what 12D was. What is uh, 12D? Acronyms and abbreviations. Ah, okay. Nerds. 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 Did you go back to listen to it? I did. Okay. Because <laughs> I wanted to exonerate myself. Your your, your BG yeah. knowledge is weak. It is. Oh my weak. gosh. Yeah. yeah. When I was cleaning out the house and and going through her stuff, I I came across a Playboy magazine and I'm like, oh, what's what's my wife doing with a Playboy magazine? And then I realized it was the Goldie Hawn interview. So after this, there was a AT40 extra with the Eagles. So we're gonna skip over that. <laughs> Why? I will say it's one of the few songs where I want to play air violin while. <laughs> <laughs> And who are these guys? This is the Bee Gees. And, uh, and yeah, who are the twins? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go look. <laughs> That's not important right now. <laughs> yeah. Robin and Maurice. Thank you. Uh, his uh, full name is Daniel Grafton Hill, the IV. <laughs> the fourth. <laughs> 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 Grass. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a hard category. Yeah, it it, it certainly is. So, yeah. <laughs> who invented that category? I don't know. Some guy. <laughs> yeah. Some jamoke. Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Robeck, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Howdy, Mark. Well, it's, uh, it's been an interesting week, but last weekend, my wife and I, along with Don and his wife, Julie, Heavy D, we went to see Fake Journey 2 <laughs> and Toto at the big hockey arena in the big city. And uh, it was uh, 
it was a lot of fun. And uh, talk about two bands that are basically run by the guitar players because no one else is left. Uh, yeah. Except for uh, so. uh, Jonathan Kane in uh, in, uh, he, but he's he's not an original uh, Journey guy. He he's only been there forty three years. Yeah, yeah, he uh, yeah he took over for Greg Rowley yep. keyboards, yep. and then so yep. Neil Sean is still still in it. Uh, yeah, he lo- he looks great, but maybe he should take a. Uh, a cue from Steve Lukather. Steve Lukather looked like Brian May now with like the, this, like the Spinkelbach, you know, the, 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 the German kid with big giant fingernails. Okay. okay. With a, you know, the, you know, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. He's got this big pseudo <laughs> Afro. That's all gray. Yeah. Now at least so. it's gray. I think it looks really stupid when, you know, the guy's 75 years old and it's got, you know, dark hair and beard <laughs> it just reminds me of when ted baxter showed up that time his yeah it was jet black <laughs> and i used, i always used to joke at work about that the grecian formula commercial where it was you know boss says i look great asked if i lost weight <laughs> you know guy comes in from the weekend he's got a completely jet black hair <laughs> and the bald spot has been filled up with glh9 yeah <laughs> Something I don't think we have to worry about, but uh, yeah, haha, to all those other books. But it was it was a lot of fun, and yeah. um, Dota was great. So that's the second Williams I've seen. I saw John Williams at Tanglewood, and then his son Junior. I forget his name. He's the singer now because Bobby uh-huh. Kimball got kicked out and came back. And uh, the, the keyboard players, this guy that played with Prince. There are a few clunkers in the Toto set. You know, Journey Journey just sounded really good and. Filipino dishwasher guy Armando Palata or whatever his name is he sounds great he's really sounds great but he his banter needs a lot of work oh. it just didn't it just didn't go but uh but he's yeah. he's really good you know and yeah. uh and he had these you know I I don't know how tall he is but he he must have had gone to uh Gene Simmons uh dressing room <laughs> to get these uh these these platform shoes you know, but they were white. They weren't black, and they didn't go all the way up to his kneecaps. So, uh, <laughs> but it was great. It was yeah. great, and it, it was it was fun to because the last time I saw, I, I never saw Steve Perry Journey or or uh, uh, the original Journey, uh, but I did see Fake Journey One with Steve Aguilera uh, at the local uh, shed here in in town, probably twenty years ago. And Peter Frampton opened up, and that was a really good show. I won the, those tickets from the Lich. Ah, okay. <laughs> Where was that Rod Stewart? I won the tickers from the Lich. I forget. I talked to Lich on the radio. Oh, nice. And it was really hot. Because <laughs> I remember he says, hey, how is it out there? He says, it's hot as a snot, man. <laughs> so. Yeah, I saw Journey, Steve Perry Journey at the big arena. 1983, May of 83, probably. That's when oh, everyone else that- did. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right around that time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So and they were good, as I remember. They they sounded really good. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyhow. So what's yeah. the show all about? Uh what show? This show? The sh- yeah, the one that you're producing right now. Oh well you I you know, you know you <laughs> Oh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey Mark. What's going on with you? Well, uh, it's a good segue because, uh, you know, not much going on with me, but I was uh, 
I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast today, and he had a uh, Nora Jones on, um, talented lady that sang it, you know, popular in the early two thousands, and uh, but they were talking about different things, and then she goes, yeah, she was born in seventy nine, but she goes, I, I was obsessed with Casey Kasem, the American Top Forty. <laughs> Conan goes. So was I. It's like, but I just like listening to Casey, not the music. <laughs> because <laughs> I, you, I get bootlegs of just Casey. And, and then the other guy in the show is saying, oh, you can, there are bootlegs. And then Conan's like, oh, yeah, the, those outtakes where he, he loses it, you know, on the air. And it's like, yeah. So I just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that's great. Uh, given that we were going to record today. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so what's this show all about? What are we doing here? So, uh, yeah, in uh, each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer, and we will give our individual A-plus through F-grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. All right, today is episode number 45 of the Seven Leagues Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, the American Top 40 from the week ending March 13th, 1976. And the title for this episode is there's a kind of hush all over deep purple. So, any idea of what you were doing uh, in the middle of March 1976? Yes, yes, I do. So, I was in the fifth grade. I had Mrs. Burke. She was, I remember Mrs. Burke. And I go to my father's date book. And so, the 13th, which is Saturday, is empty. On the 14th, my father weighed 195 pounds. On the 12th, it says M-E-D-H-C-U-R-I. So anyone out there in, in podcast land knows what MedHC, unless, you know, I don't know, U-R-I, you know, University of Rhode Island. Yeah. I don't know. So, but also on this, the most important thing, it says opera, fly Dutch. My folks, or my dad, probably my folks, went to see the Flying Dutchman. Ah. Okay. And so I looked it up and it was, I got all sorts of information. It first was the local newspaper had something. So I got in touch with a uh, friend of the podcast, Mike, and Mike was able to uh, go to the local newspaper and he found all sorts of things here. So those of you looking on channel 18, yeah. the uh, state we live in, Opera Association, Wagner's, The Flying Dutchman, fly, starring Carol Neblett, Norman Bailey, William Walderman, Richard Ness. They were at 15 Lewis Street. Hmm. But, uh, and this was the 34th season of the opera. And earlier in the week, in the town news, okay, operative given Monday. Now, I don't know, Monday, Friday, I don't know. But this is uh, the town east of the big city, east big city, 
Wagner's opera, The Flying Dutchman, will be played and discussed Monday at the first federal savings of, of the town's branch <laughs> in the office of West Middle Turnpike. So, so they had a they had something about that. Okay. And then the Opera Guild to sponsor guest lecturer. And this was on February 29th at the uh, Big Cities College for Women on Elizabeth Street, kind of close to where you live now. And the lecturer is Mr. Stephen Kramer, who's a choir master. And Mr. Kramer, I think, he wasn't on that, that other advertisement. So then this other article here, okay, talks about Dutchman making port here. And it talks about when Carol Nesbitt sings the role of Senta in the opera's production of Wagner's The Flying Dutchman in March, she will be adding a new role to her repertoire. And it goes on about Carol Neblet. And she's about my folks' age, and she was very famous. She just passed away a couple of years ago. And I saw that she had been on the Johnny Carson show. So maybe uh, I can catch that in reruns. And on that same page, that was a blow-up. So here's the actual page of the paper, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a advertisement, the, the third right third column, Al Franken's Music World, all right? <laughs> and there's a coupon here, and it was New England's Complete Music Store. And the Hit Products is on Columbia, and they have uh, a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, classical music, uh, Tchaikovsky and Laura. Uh, Laura Meyer Smile, or no, Laura Nero Smile. So this is all in Columbia. Ray Conniff in the orchestra, Miles Davis, Beverly Sills, and Classical Barbara. And there's a big review about Barbara Streisand's Classical Barbara LP, uh-huh. which was kind of a scandal when it came out. I read about that. <laughs> and you could also get yourself a Pioneer BSR uh, sound system turntable uh receiver and speakers for 439 dollars now i didn't do the math on what a dollar's worth now but that's pretty expensive yeah and then, that's pricey yeah yeah and then down at uh at the coach light theodore Baikel was in zorba the greek ah. theodore Baikel, of course was was uh the uh murderer in the bye bye high sky q <laughs> iq murder or whatever it was in colombo yeah which yeah. was pretty good where he kills boss hog yeah so uh so it was uh it was kind of fun and on on this other page here there's a uh uh advertisement for uh green and stevens before the lux bond came in and they dumped uh uh stevens so uh uh, and there's an advertisement for a funeral home and water in your basement it's not the basement big guy and then antiques wanted top prices paid villas auction service from the town you live in so pretty interesting stuff here so, so thank you mike yeah but yeah, so. no no report in the date book about about how the opera was yeah you know? i and I, it was it was and it was at the big theater where i saw uh zappa the pretenders uh uh the heaven and hell or, or no black sabbath with dio in, in 91 and, and a lot of other stuff shows william shatner i saw william shatner there <laughs> yeah not too long ago right yeah yeah but my wife did see toto real toto oh. uh at the bushnell and she was like in the third row like in 1982 or something oh wow yeah. wow that must yeah. cool yeah. so that's that's my report from the date book so yeah so it's kind of interesting i 
uh, you know, normally when Gail was younger, she had the spy books and then she, and, you know, I'll say she graduated to journals, but she had a date book of sorts. If you can see that on channel 18, it's actually an academic planner, 1975, yeah. 1976 Barnes and Noble. And it was apparently bought in the CCSC bookstore, which is the, uh, in the state college system. Mm -hmm. university now but gail was taking some classes there and i just looked at a couple things it seemed like around this well it's funny this date book on the back it's got a, a an advertisement for bick and it shows these uh two cavemen and it says if it writes or lights think bick uh, <laughs> and then there's a periodic table in the back and also a uh, calculator conversion table that converts your decimals to fractions and vice versa. Really the only sort of relevant stuff is both on the Wednesday the 10th and then Wednesday the 17th, Gail wrote that she was watching Starsky and Hutch. Because <laughs> it was the first season of Starsky and Hutch and she told me she had a crush on Starsky. Paul oh. Michael Glazier. And it's interesting because, so, you know, we talk about the trope of the blonde guy and the dark haired guy that was like so prevalent. And um, so she also liked Randy Mantooth of the two yep. on Emergency. So, so maybe that's why she went for me because I was a dark haired guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, the, the only other thing I was wondering that Matt would match up in the date books is she seemed to talk about a lot of snow storms during this period uh well my father was on spring recess so he probably yeah. didn't write it down yes yeah, snowstorm on tuesday the 16th yeah ee -E board okay and then snow on uh tuesday the 9th as well pe board <laughs> and uh yeah i think there was snow on another day but but anyway yeah here and there, it looked like they were having a much different winter than we are this year. That's pretty good. And you know, I, I worked at uh, at the Barnes & Noble at the school that we went to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they apparently they had a lock on the school bookstores. Around there they did. <laughs> yeah. So the guy that was uh, the manager of the bookstore, he's like, you know, he was old. He was like 25 when he, when he started when we were there in, in the early 80s. And he was still working for Barnes & Noble at the spot you're talking about that Gail went to in 2012. And then he, he, he recently retired. So, oh wow. so they were still over there in 2012. Wow. Well, so, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 So uncle Bill and I went to visit him when we went schnapping and we took the busway. Oh no, <laughs> we didn't, we did the, that was a different year. So anyhow, no, we went to the East side and then we went, we found our way someplace. So anyhow, yes. that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so apparently, um, you know, you, you gave me a call today uh, with uh, some colleagues from work about trying to think of someone's name that worked at the old plant. But then you also said that uh, we unfortunately need to do a correction from last episode. So this is our correction section. I was, <laughs> I was not exactly right. You mean you were wrong? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Malfa. I was what you just said I was just then, yeah. 
What happened was, and I think this might be the second time. So our, our friend and loyal listener, Dave K, um, he said that uh, I was wrong when it came up about, you know, uh, who sued who in terms of the Ray Parker Jr. versus Huey Lewis with the Ghostbusters being a ripoff of I Want a New Drug. And uh, I said it was Ray Parker Jr. and I was wrong. <laughs> Huey Lewis that sued Ray Parker. However, it did happen that later on, uh, Ray Parker countersued Huey Lewis because under the terms of the, the settlement of the original lawsuit, it wasn't supposed to be spoken about. Ooh. And Huey Lewis gave an interview and he talked about it. So then Ray Parker Jr. turned around and sued him back. So in a sense, they both sued each other. And, okay. and, I'll, and in my defense, I'll, I, I blame you, Pete, because you asked me a question that I didn't have the answer written in front of me and my memory is fading so. yeah. well i'll make another correction i said we when we went to uh the grand teton and and uh devil's tower that we went to yosemite no we went to yellowstone why why the two biggest national parks have to start with the same letter i always mix them up yeah me too even though i've never been to either <laughs> okay because I've, I've been to both Hey, I got one more thing from the date book here and from the newspaper. Okay. So, so on the, the following weekend, on the uh, on the 19th and 20th, it says RAC, Ramada Inn, Windsor Locks. I don't know what RAC is, okay? But it was some sort of conference, okay? Mm -hmm. But then in the newspaper here, okay, right next to Theodore Beichel and Zorba the Greek and the Dutchman, it says, singles over 30 tonight. Men, women, I can't read all this. It says Ramada Inn, Route 91, Bridge Street. Was this Windsor? Is is that Bridge Street? But it's the same room. I think it's the same Ramada, and it's a Ramada Inn now. That's that's where Hojo's was. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So hopefully Rack wasn't singles over 30. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it wasn't the dial tone either, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> So some of the new stuff going on in the middle of March of 76, uh, on March 4th, they had the second People's Choice Awards, favorite actors and actresses, John Wayne and Katherine Hepburn won for in, in a motion picture, and for TV, Telly Savalas and Carol Burnett. So Well-deserving. Yep, yep, some big names there. And then on uh, March 6th, the world's ladies figure skating championship in gothenburg it was won by american dorothy hamill and she, she would retire from competitive skating um, at the end of 76 and move on to the ice capades which we talked about in the previous episode and uh, she's 66 years old and we talked about how she's from our state then uh, March 15th, a couple of magazine covers on Time Magazine. You had Americans on the Move. And Newsweek had Luciano Pavarotti, speaking of opera. <laughs> and, then, one, uh, and one of the three tenors. Yeah, yeah. And then People Magazine had uh, Liz, it was Elizabeth Taylor, and it said unburdened again. So it must have been after her second divorce from uh, Richard Burton. <laughs> then on March 17th, uh, boxer Ruben Hurricane Carter is 
he's retried uh, for being convicted of the murder in 1967. And that his story had inspired Bob Dylan's hit song Hurricane that was in our episode 36 from January 10th of 76. And then uh, finally on March 20th, American publishing heiress Patty Hearst was convicted of armed robbery for her part in a 1974 California heist. Of course, yeah, I remember was, I remember that in the news, you know, Stockholm syndrome and all that stuff. Yeah, because she had been kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army, yeah, and then yeah. uh, she took uh, part in that that robbery of the bank. Yeah. So, anything in tech going on at this time? Yeah, I thought you might find this one interesting. So, uh, in, in March of '76, Peter Chen's key paper on entity relationship model um, is published, and. Uh, having been first presented at a conference in September of 1975. It's an important paper with regard to relational databases and is considered to be one of the most influential papers in the computer software field based on a survey of more than a thousand computer science professors. Love my databases. Yeah. So were you aware of that paper though? I, I no, I'll have, to, I'll have to go get it. I, I can't say that I had heard of it. But I think I had heard of Peter Chen before. Nerds! Nerds. Nerds. Nerds! So what was the economy like? Yeah, yeah. So um, unemployment rate, 8.5%. Inflation rate, 18.7%. That might be the highest we've seen. Wow. And all these. That's that's huge. The uh, same buying power of today's dollar was about 19 cents back then. So that, that $400 stereo was... Holy moly. That was an expensive Almost two stereo. grand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a cost of a gallon of regular gas was 59 cents. That'd be $3.10 today. And does that match your real-time data, Pete? Miss Emily, Miss Mamie, we got to have some gas. You're right on the button. Okay. For both the vehicles. So the VW Squareback, 30.5 miles per gallon. That's the highest I think we've seen that. Maybe it went with inflation. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And the VWS was filled up on the 12th, 16.4 miles per gallon. What's interesting is if is that squareback would only last a couple more months before it got into that wreck that we talked about in front of the library. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you get, you get a car that's, what, uh, almost six years old, almost seven years old at the time, getting 30 miles per gallon in the, in the mid-70s. It's pretty good. Over that's, 30 miles per gallon. That's really good, yeah. Well, yeah. maybe my father lost weight. <laughs> or, or used Grecian formula one or the other <laughs> yeah so right in the money this time good, right. good data yeah that's good so, anything on the tv yeah 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 quite a few things but i'll try to go through them pretty quick uh wednesday march 10th uh, cbs at eight yeah tony orlando and dawn season two episode 23 and they had Tony fields tanya tucker and andy griffith on and then over on ABC at eight, the Six Million Dollar Man, the first pilot movie from uh, 1973. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting because then skipping ahead to Sunday, March 14th, the Six Million Dollar Man regular episode had The Price of Liberty, season three, episode three with Chuck Connors. And that's the one with the Liberty Bell that we've right. We've right. talked about before. He's, he's still, yeah, he steals the Liberty Bell and booby traps it. And, and of course, uh, 
Steve Austin knew cut the red wire, <laughs> but first cut the black wire. Yeah, you know, you can't help but think of that. Of you know, the, it's such a trope which wire to cut uh, with, with <laughs> diffusing the bonds. I must have seen that you know a dozen <laughs> times, but I always think of that one and and the Hogan's Heroes. Uh, yeah. sure <laughs> well that the one i said was the hogan's heroes so. yeah <laughs> yeah but first uh anyway. so the next we had what do we have the sunny and share had gabe kaplan and frankie avalon yeah wow. yeah so that must have been quite a fun show yeah that was yep. at cbs at nine and then uh moving on to monday march 15th phyllis pilot of that show which was a spinoff from mary tyler moore starring chorus leachman and in her role and she lived in San Francisco. Remember watching that. And then NBC at eight, you had the Rich Little show and he had Michael Landon, Ron Howard and the Silvers on. Ah, So we may see them later on. And then um, NBC at nine, Joe Forrester. Never heard of it. Yeah, (laughs) I, I remember seeing it was about a veteran cop played by Lloyd Bridges, who's the father of our friend, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Only reason I put that in there. And then uh, finally, uh, on Tuesday, March 16th, a CBS at 10 switch, The Girl on the Golden Strip. And that had Wayne Newton in it. And uh, so I, I think, did, did you watch some of those episodes? I've never seen Switch. I'm oh, waiting okay. for it to come on Cozy TV or whatever. Yeah, because that was I've never, with Robert Robert Wagner. Wagner. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Eddie Albert, right? Albert Albert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything at the uh, Paris Theater? I really couldn't find anything of note that, that I remembered or could be worth talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then what would Casey say? So now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown. So, yeah, so the, this recording's a little chunky in the beginning. I'm sorry about this, Mark. There we so, go. Yeah, so this is Boogie Fever by The Silvers, who we were just talking about. This uh, song was on our episode four from May 29th, 1976. So we've gotten into an area where we actually jump ahead in time we're almost wrapping around here this song had gotten to number one they mentioned doing the dance the bump which i remember girls doing in the sixth grade when i was (laughs) in the sixth grade around this time uh, yeah silvers were a family group from watts la Well, these guys were on our last time around, which was episode 36, January 10th, 1976, with Sky High. Yeah. And this sounds just like Sky High, and Sky High is a better song. Yeah, 
So this band was fronted by the singer-songwriter duo of Clyde Scott and Des Dyer in Australia. Actually, in Australia, the group was called British Jigsaw due to the existence of an Australian band with the same name. <laughs> I couldn't find much about the song, really, and um, it's at number 30. Isn't this a cover? It is, yeah. And who's doing this? So this is the Carpenters. Oh, okay, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this is There's a Kind of Hush, parentheses all over the world, off their album, A Kind of Hush. This was uh, written by Les Reed and Jeff Stevens, originally recorded by Stevens' group, the New Vaudeville Band in 1967. They were famous for the song Winchester Cathedral. Winchester Cathedral. And then uh, a near simultaneous cover was a big hit for Herman's Hermits. At number four in the U.S. In I think that's the one I remember. Yeah. yeah. This Carpenter version uh, went to number 12. And it's the Carpenter's uh, 13th number one on the easy listening chart. Wow. So, if you came anywhere near the 70s. So, yeah, Show Me the Way by Peter Frampton. It's actually originally off Frampton 75. And of course, it was also on the big Frampton Comes Alive album. So, Casey said, uh, Here is one of the 16 acts that have never been on the chart. Peter Frampton from England wrote and produced this song. And, uh, this was actually number 19 on our episode four from uh, May 29th, 76. Uh, in between, it would get as high as number six. This was, as I said, originally on a studio album just titled Frampton, but was later part of Frampton Comes Alive, which was released in January of 76. By April, it had sold a million copies in America. Wow. It went on to become one of the best-selling albums, or the best-selling album of 76, and eventually sold over 8 million copies. As they said in Wayne's World, it was issued in the suburbs. (laughs) (laughs) Peter's still with us. He'll be 73 next month. Well, as Casey said, I think she wrote a lot of songs. I don't remember this one, though. This is Carol King. The song is called 
Only Love Is Real, something like that. Yeah, this is uh, off her album Thoroughbred. And, uh, yeah, Casey said this is the current hit by the most successful songwriter of the rock era. To this point, she's written 88 chart hits. Six of those have gotten to number one, which makes Carol the undisputed queen of the female songwriters. <laughs> uh, so this one got to number 28 and was her fourth and final number one on the easy listening chart. Some big names singing in the background on this one. David Crosby, Grand Nash, and J.D. Souther. Carol is still with us. She just turned 81 in February. Aren't these our friends from Rhode Island? <laughs> Are they? Or is it Tavares is from Rhode Tavares. Island? Okay, starts with the same letter. Don't get them mixed up. The bricks you dip in the gold and the gold you dip in the red paint. <laughs> There it is, Hold Back the Night by The Tramps um, off the legendary Zing album. <laughs> so, with one peak at number 35, The Tramps are an American disco and soul band who were based in Philadelphia and were one of the first disco bands. The band's first major success was their cover uh, version of Zing Went the Strings of My Heart, which explains the album title. Uh, while their first uh, disco track they released was Love Epidemic in 1973. However, they are best known for their song Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno. Yeah. Love that song. On that Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, went to number 11 uh, as a single re-release in 78. And their only other top 40 hit was That's Where the Happy People Go that went to 27 in 1976. It's a nice song. This is Natalie Cole. Yeah. Inseparable. Yeah. This, this is this is forgettable. Yeah. It's not not unforgettable. unforgettable. <laughs> so it's off her album Inseparable. Um, this one got to number 32. This was Natalie's second straight number one single on the Soul chart. And uh, Natalie had nine Grammys in her career. Um, oh, but, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, she passed away in 2015 at the age of 65. It's BTO, man. And what's BTO stand for? Bachman Turner Overdrive. Randy Bachman. What, Brian Turner? And Mr. Overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is "Take It Like a Man." I don't remember this one. Um, I don't. I don't either. Yeah. This was off their album "Head On" in '75. It peaked right here at number 33. And Casey said this is the only hit for BTO that wasn't written by Randy Bachman. 
and they have had seven other hits. Uh, this was co-written by C.F. Fred Turner and Blair Thornton. This song features Little Richard on piano and backup vocals. Little Richard also played on the band's far less successful Stay Alive. So before R Little Richard's piano solo at the end of this song, Turner can be heard shouting, play it, Richard. Per Cashbox, a BTO with the 97th best-selling artist of the 70s, just ahead of Sweet and just behind Paul Anka. All right, so there's Little Richard, right? And then there's Rich Little. Yeah. <laughs> were they ever seen together? I gotta believe they were at some point. You think so? Or is it the same person? <laughs> it's probably not the same person. Although Rich Little may have imitated Little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> A long time forgotten dreams have just fell by the way. It's nice to go. Good happy crowd there. Yeah. Ain't what she's living today. Oh yeah, they're, they're digging it. Wow, these are two big country stars on this. Your favorite, Waylon and Willie. She just talks about the good times they've had and all the good times to come. Say it here. It is Good Hearted Woman by Waylon and Willie off Wanted Exclamation Point, The Outlaws. This one got to number 25, but got to number one on the country chart and number 16 on the adult contemporary chart and was named Single of the Year at the Country Music Association Awards. Uh, with a little help from Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings initially wrote and recorded this country rock number as the title track of his 1971 album. Got the idea from a newspaper ad about Tina Turner, the Billboard book of number one hits. He said, I'd been reading an ad for Ike and Tina Turner, and it said, Tina Turner singing songs about good-hearted women loving good-timing men. <laughs> and I thought, what a great uh, country song title that is <laughs> Jennings had recorded a concert version for Waylon Live which served as the basis for the duet with Nelson I just took my voice off and put Willie's on in different places so this is not a real live recording of the two this duet was included on the 1976 album Wanted the Outlaws, a compilation of tunes from Jennings, Nelson, Jesse Coulter, Tom Glazier, and uh, Waylon passed away in 2002 at the age of 64, but Willie is still with us. He'll be 90 at the end of April. And they were talking about this on that Conan uh, podcast that they're gonna do a big birthday thing at the Hollywood Bowl for him. Happy birthday. Roxy Music. We just said it there. Love is the Drug. Off their album Siren. Um, this one got to number 30, but up to number two in the UK. And uh, this was written by Brian Ferry, who noted 
The image he had in mind for the song was a young guy getting into his car and zooming off into town looking for action at a club. Instrumental composed by Roxy Music saxophonist Andy McKay on a Wurlitzer electronic piano before becoming more groove driven. The song contains one of Rock's most famous bass lines, written and performed by John Gustafson. Cited by Gustafson or Gustafson? Gustafson, I'm sorry. Right. So the bass line is cited by Niall Rogers as one of the main inspiration behind Sheik's Good Times, which in turn inspired Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. <laughs> so uh, this was Roxy Music's uh, only top 40 hit. It's amazing. This sounds like such an influence for half the punk uh, songs in the 80s, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got into Roxy Music because of the connections with Brian Eno, David Bowie, and the Talking Heads and all that back in the day. And I have Siren. And Avalon is is a wonderful, wonderful LP, their last real album before they broke up. And I and I saw uh, Brian Ferry down in in New Haven probably in nineteen eighty nine or ninety on his Bet Noir tour. I think it was that. So I have a whole bunch of this stuff. And Johnny Gustafson was uh, is part of the Deep Purple uh, uh, orbit. He played with those guys on and off doing something at some point in time. I don't know if it was, I don't know, the, the Green Frog or whatever the heck that, Green Bullfrog, I don't know, but whatever. So yeah. we'll get corrected by Nate. Yeah. Okay. So, Roxy Music played uh, Liverpool Stadium on June 14th, 1972, along with Nazareth, and they were opening for Rory Gallagher. Billboard's number 30. What do you want? What do you want? A little action? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was too early there. You were too early. Yeah. You don't know this song, huh? You, I you, remembered. I just didn't right. remember when that, that came. But yeah, this is sweet. Uh, or is it the sweet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this I've one heard it got- called both. Yeah, yeah, I have. I think Casey called him the sweet in this, actually. Yeah. But uh, this one got to number 20. The song went through several iterations. A seven-inch single version was recorded at Ian Gillen's Kingsway Studios in London, and slightly different versions appear on the album's Strung Up and Give Us a Wink. This song has been covered by Def Leppard and also in German by the Scorpions as... Then es richtig lost get. Uh, <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Yeah. Then es richtig los geht. This one of uh, Sweet's five top 40 hits, the biggest in the charts being Little Willie getting the number three. Oh, yeah. But they also had big hits with Ballroom Blitz and Love is Like Oxygen. Oxygen. Yep. Well, this one was. On our last countdown at number nine, 
on January 10th, 1976. This is our first repeat. I, I didn't do repeats from last year. I, I, I'm not that clever. Yeah. So, yeah, this um, this had gotten to number two, and uh, we talked a lot about this one before. But, yeah, it was off the album, Love to Love You, Baby. <laughs> Didn't we have one of these boys write a song a number of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I, I remembered that, but I didn't go back and look up which one that was. Howard wrote Spiders and Snakes. This is a pretty song. Yeah. This is the Bellamy, Bellamy, <laughs> Bellamy brothers. Yeah, let your love flow. Yeah, off the album of the same name. And Casey said, "It's been a good year for singers and musicians from the state of Florida." He didn't elaborate on that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering, was Casey? <laughs> Casey in the Sunshine Band? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let's see. uh, uh, Skinnerd. Who else is from? uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, these are brothers Howard and David Elmy from Darby, Florida. They moved uh, to LA, excuse me, LA, and became good friends with Neil Diamond's band. Neil Diamond's drummer, Dennis St. John, came over to their house and brought the demo of Let Your Love Flow and said, hey, this sounds like something you guys would do. So they went off and recorded that, and the rest is kind of history. Larry Williams, who is one of Neil Diamond's roadies, wrote this song. Neil Diamond, however, turned it down. says, uh, because it didn't sound enough like Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah, the Bellamy said, well, it really wasn't in Neil's vein. And the brothers, they only had one other pop hit with, if I said you have a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? <laughs> oh, yeah. That one went yeah. to number one on the country chart. They had tons of hits, so a lot of hits on the country chart. David Bellamy is 72, and Howard just turned 76 in February. Happy birthday. <laughs> I'm not going to do my shtick this time. All right. I was, I was thinking we need another tab in the spreadsheet for artists uh, for that MM <laughs> yeah. initials. This, this, the title of this is Just You and I. And I swear, isn't there another song called Just You and I? Like, maybe from later? Yeah. Like, I done so. by... Lionel Richie or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it seemed familiar to me too. Just you and I don't know, maybe it's a repeat, but this is Melissa Manchester. Yep. So, I don't remember the song. Yeah. Do you? Nah, this is uh, off her album Better Days and Happy Endings. And uh, Melissa is from uh, Buckland Hills. 
Uh, no, not actually. <laughs> she was born in the Bronx <laughs> into a musical <laughs> family. Her father was uh, David Manchester, who was a bassoonist for the New York Metropolitan Opera for three decades. And her mother was one of the first women to design and found her own clothing firm. Yeah, the Manchesters are of Jewish origin. And uh, this one peaked right here at number 27. One of her seven top 40 hits. Her biggest in the 70s was Midnight Blue that went to number six in 75. And then she had You Should Hear How She Talks About You that went to number five in 1980. And she's still with us. She just turned 72 in February. Happy birthday. This is not up with people. <laughs> Harold Channing is not going to come out and say, Tangerine. <laughs> uh, it is that song, though. Tangerine by the Salsa Orchestra. And uh, Casey said this is a 42 orchestra. And they were. Uh, oh, they do say it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think there were words to this. <laughs> They were the backing band of session musicians for many acts on the New York City label Salsal Records and uh, under its own name recorded several hits including the albums uh, between 1975 and 1982. Their music featured elements of Philadelphia soul, funk, Latin and disco. This was their biggest hit and is a cover of the 1941 song written by Victor Schertzinger. The lyrics by Johnny Mercer. It was in the 1940 movie The Fleet's Inn, performed by Jimmy Dorsey's orchestra. That's the most popular version. This version got to number 18 and was Sol Sol's orchestra's biggest pop hit, but they had many hits on the dance chart. I love this song. It's an Art Bell bumper that you'll hear at the bottom of the hour at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. So this is right back where we started from by Maxine Nightingale. We had this before on our episode four from May 29th, 76. And it was number 15 then. It had peaked at number two. It was also pushed into greater immortality by its appearance in the Paul Newman movie Slapshot. And uh, I think I told the story my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Aarons, had us sing this song because it was his favorite song. And I was in the sixth grade right at this time. This was written by British songwriters Pierre Tubbs and J. Vincent Edwards. Uh, Maxine's other big hit was Lead Me On that went to number five in 78. Oh, yeah. And she's still with us. She is 70 years old. What's the name of the guy that wrote this? John Michael Vincent? J. Vincent Edwards. Okay. I'm thinking of Airwolf. Yeah. Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> okay. Number 24. This is another cover, isn't it? Yes, it is. Mark, your pants are so tight, <laughs> you can't fit your calculator in the back pocket. 
Yeah, so there it is, Cupid. And this is Tony Orlando and Dawn off their album To Be With You. Casey said, Here's Tony, Thelma, and Joyce. He also said, This is an old Sam Cooke hit that originally got to number 17 in 1961. Cooke's producers had asked him to write a song for a girl they had seen on a Perry Como TV show who just looked wistfully up at Perry. But once they heard her sing, they kept Cupid for Cook himself. <laughs> and uh, Cupid was ranked at number 452 in Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Um, this version would get a few notches higher to number 22 and was the last top 40 hit for Tony Orlando and Dawn. I got an advertisement on my phone today from the big concert promoter Monopoly that the lead singer of this band, the Commodores, I know Richie is touring with Earth, Wind and Fire. And the name of the tour was so clever that I have to look it up now. So, unless I deleted it. Um, but uh, came in over the night. Oh my God, look how this email I get. This is ridiculous. I get so much freaking email. So. Right. Uh, while you're looking that up, this mm-hmm. is Sweet Love by the Commodores off their album Moving On. This was the first big pop hit for the Commodores, getting to number five. It was the first of their Lionel Richie written ballads that moved them away from the stone-cold funk sound they had started with. Commodore's member Thomas McCleary said, I was very moved by the fact that in the harmonies of Sweet Love in the early days, we would play other artists' songs because we didn't have our own original songs. So we would play songs by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, for instance. And if you recall, their uniqueness was their harmonies. But I can't find it. Sing a song all night long tour. I also got some that Peter Gabriel's coming around and like the Scorpions or something. So nice song. I remember it. Yeah. Choo-choo. All right. This is Queen. This is Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm done. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say it was number 39 on our episode four from uh, May 29th, 76. It would peak at nine. And Casey talked about how Brian May made his own guitar, the red special from parts he found rummaging around in the neighborhood garbage. She was only 16. How old was she? 16. But I how many hit songs are there about girls that are only 16? <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of gets you in trouble now. Yeah. Just like that creepy song uh, with that video, the guy from Rochester. Not Manchester. Um, it was a Yacht Rock song. I forgot. Oh yeah, she's she's just sixteen years old. <laughs> Leave yeah, her yeah. alone. Yeah. Single-handedly, 
the best first audition I have ever heard. Yeah, that song. She's just 16 years old. Leave her alone, they say. Anyway, this is uh, only 16. It doesn't go over net well now. <laughs> yeah. So this is only 16 by Dr. Hook off his album Bankrupt. And, uh, his album? He, they're a band. Excuse me. Their album? Um <laughs> He said, here's a group whose last time out had a hit in 73 with cover of the Rolling Stone. They used to be called Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, but they shortened it to Dr. Hook in 1975. This is another cover of a Sam Hook, a Sam Hook, Sam Cook song. <laughs> uh, getting the, What was uh, Captain Hook's first name? <laughs> Sam. <laughs> yeah. So his version got to number 28 in 1959. This Dr. Hook version peaked at number six. The Supremes recorded a version, first released on their tribute album to We Remember Sam Cook in 1965. And that version was a big hit in Sweden. All right. This has been a slow ride. We're yeah. only halfway through the countdown. <laughs> this is Fog Hat. I talked about seeing Fog Hat back in 1996. And uh, Steppenwolf. Brian S. was saying today how he really likes Magic Carpet Rider. Some song by the Steppenwolf. Yeah. And then I think I heard on the way home today. What's the other song they did? Oh, what? Uh, Get Your Motor Run and yeah. Head Up on the Hut. Yeah. Or to be Magic wild. Carpet Ride. Or to be wild. Huh? Oh, Born to be Wild. What's yeah. Magic Carpet Ride? That's the name of the song, Magic Carpet oh, Ride. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, Born to be Wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, this the, is this off the record where... Um, he's fishing in the uh, sewer? Yeah. Yeah, Fool for the City. Oh, okay. And um, I, I was just thinking, you know, you said you had or somebody had the hat that just said Fog. Fog, yeah. Richie yeah. Martinick did in, in elementary school, or junior high school, and then I got one for Jaime. Yeah, I, I wonder if anyone ever made or conceptualized a, a, a hat that spit fog out like a fog machine. That would be cool. <laughs> fog hat. <laughs> the Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. <laughs> On number 19. 20 to the right, and in the night, do you hear some good buddy say? Break, break, we got a picture taker, old smokies at 43. It's at oh, you know what's also in this advertisement from Al Franken's? It says here, CB is here at Al Franken's, Courier Classic 3, 23 channels, $254. Wow, expensive. That's $1,200 today. Yeah. I mean, it's like an iPhone, brand new iPhone, you know, is less than that now. It does more. Yeah. So. <laughs> so this is The White Knight by Cletus Maggard and the Citizens Band. James Wesley J. Hughley was an American stage actor, singer, advertising executive, and television writer. An executive who enjoyed a brief run of popularity with this novelty song. 
going on. I bet he recorded as Cletus Maggard and the Citizens Band. This peaked right here at number 19, but got to number one on the country chart. The song was one of three number one country songs during 1976, in which the CB radio is the central lot. The other two were Convoy by C.W. McCall and Teddy Bear by Red Sullivan. What about Eastbound and Down? Is that another one? Is that in 76? <laughs> when was Smoking the Bandit? Is that the next year? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. I don't know. 1977. But um, this is also the second top 40 hit of the 1970s to mention the Georgia State Patrol. Vicki Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence mentioned the patrol in her hit, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. And in both songs, the patrolman arrests the protagonist of the song. <laughs> oh, goodness. Where's the Shrekson say? That comes after, yeah. You hear some uh, Marie Osmond's Shrekstame a little later in the song. But yeah, this is their Donnie and Marie Osmond's cover of Deep Purple. Uh, this song is the inspiration for the band name Deep Purple. Because it was guitarist Richie Blackmore's grandmother's favorite song. Directions A. Is it starting now? Marie Osmond Sprechstimme. Then she's going to say, Weight Watchers made me feel less heavy. <laughs> yeah. I saw a commercial while they were on it last night, I think. <laughs> uh, so this was. Anyhow, finish up about uh, Richie Blackmore's grandmother. Uh, now, I was just going to talk about this song was written in the early 1930s by Peter DeRose, and it became a standard when lyricist Mitchell Parrish added words in 1938. Uh, this was covered and made a big hit by Nino and April. Tempo and Stevens in 1963, going to number one and won the Grammy for Best Rock and Roll Recording of 1963. This cover by Donnie and Marie would get to number 14, and they performed this song on Bob Hope's Christmas Party on December 14th, 1975. <laughs> Boy, what a genre shift that was <laughs> uh, well this one we heard last time was number 14 this is hot chocolate you sex a thing single-handedly the best first audition i have ever heard it had gotten uh, to number three uh, lead singer earl brown wrote this about his wife jeanette 
So, you know, we heard uh, uh, Peter Peter Frampton use the talk box. Does the Smith use the talk box on this song? I don't think so. Because they, they were big into the talk box also, weren't they? Um, yeah, I think they did use it. I don't think on this one, though. What was the one where they used the talk box? What the heck song was that? It wasn't Walk This Way. I don't remember. Uh, this everybody's heard this. This is Dream On by Aerosmith off the album Aerosmith in 1973. So um, this huge song would get to number six. This was the first single Aerosmith released. Even Tyler had been working on the song on and off for about six years, writing it in bits and pieces, and he was able to complete it with the help of the rest of the band. A breakthrough came when Tyler bought an RMI keyboard with money he found in a suitcase outside of where the band was staying. The uh, suitcase incident became part of Aerosmith lore, as Tyler didn't tell his bandmates that he took the money, and when the gangsters came looking for it, he continued to play dumb. Regarding the meaning of the song, Tyler explains it's about the hunger to be somebody, dream until your dreams come true. So my brother used to make fun of this song. Instead of saying, sing for the year, he would say, sing diarrhea. Ooh. 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 There. <laughs> Potty mouth. Go wash your mouth out so. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Uh, we had this one also. It was number 39. It was just breaking in back in January of 1976. And uh, this one got all the way up to number 15, if I recall. Wop, wop, wop. Yeah. Actually, actually, it got up to number 10 from what I have written here. So, yeah, Golden Years by Well, David I got Bowie. the chart right here. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Ah. Ah. Anyway, um, this is off the album Station to Station. Beautiful. One of my favorite Bowie records, Station to Station. Yes. Love it. And we talked Love about it. how David Bowie wrote this with the intention of giving it to Elvis Presley. But Elvis refused the song. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, as we know, David Bowie passed away in 2016 at the age of 69. And Elvis in 1977 at the age of 42. All right, cue it up. Uh, give me late 70s BGs, please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> yeah, as if we didn't get enough of them in our last episode. <laughs> They're back again. Of course, uh, Brian S. was saying he likes early 70s BGs, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, this is. This is Fanny. 
parentheses be tender with my love by the bgs off their album main course uh, it was the third single release from this album main course and it peaked at number 12 and in a billboard magazine interview the band said we had a house cleaner named fanny when we stayed in north miami beach during the making of main course we were sitting in the lounge at Criteria Studios writing the song with a lyric idea, Be Tender With My Love. Maurice turned around and saw Fanny and said, wouldn't it be a better song if it was a woman's name in there? And you're asking her to be tender. And so the recording of Fanny took place on uh, January 30th, 1975, the same day as Jive Talking, Songbird, and All This Making Love. Wow. So the only Fanny I know besides the song is Fanny Flag, of course. Right? Yeah. It was you know a, anyone else named Fanny? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. There was a, a all-female rock band in the 70s named Fanny, I believe. And so what was Fanny Flag known for? Match game? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was the match game. You <laughs> in the match game music right now. <laughs> yeah. Get ready to match the stars. Fanny Flag. So. Well, these guys needed money after their yeah. manager took all their money to the Bay City Rollers. Yeah, this is Money Honey, and is this about Maria Bartiromo? <laughs> no, but uh, no, no, no. That was a song that was done by by Joey Ramone, not by not Joey. Who's the Who's the singer of the Ramones? Yeah, Joey. Uh, yeah, Joey Ramone. He did a song about Maria Bartiromo. Right. Yeah, but she was nicknamed the Money Honey. She was. I never. Yeah. I never watched it. I, I don't watch CNBC or any of that stuff. Yeah, all my money's rolled up in in uh, coins and uh, in my mattress. Yeah. Anyhow, this one uh, got to number nine. It was the Bay City Rollers' second U.S. top ten hit after Saturday Night went to number one. Money, honey, was yet a bigger hit in Australia. Went to number three and number four in Ireland. Uh, the song enjoyed its greatest international popularity in Canada, where it spent one week at number one and ranks as the 22nd greatest hit of 76 in Canada. And, and as you were talking about, ironically, this song is about being broken. We have talked about it before, how these poor guys saw virtually none of the money their music and tours produced. Oh, this is Disco Lady by Johnny Taylor, and this was number 31 on our episode 4 from May 29, 76. Uh, this got and stayed at number 1 for 4 consecutive weeks. And yeah, I could be wrong, but I detect a little bit of sexual innuendo in this one. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But they also mentioned Soul Train in here. This Their album, Eargasm, was released on Columbia after Stax Records went bankrupt. Oh. 
Well, this is number 17 last time around. Talked a lot about this and his nephew or Paul Simon's nephew or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover by Paul Simon off of Still Crazy After All These Years. Yeah, it was uh, number 17 on our episode 36. And yeah, we talked about how Paul made this song up while teaching his nephew how to rhyme and how uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer's Carl Palmer cites Steve Gadd's drumming on this track as some of the best he's ever heard. That organic cooking, I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural on down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt, white sugar, don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. All but night, I take out my strong box that I keep under lock and key. And I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see. I open that door so slowly, take a peek up north and south. Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. Yeah, in the daytime I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night I'm a junk food chunky. Good Lord, have pity on me. I remember when junk food junkie came out it was hilarious yeah this is by uh larry is it gross or grochi the pronunciation exactly but uh g-r-o-c-e yeah and this was included on dr demento's 20th anniversary collection album in 1976 this is a one-hit wonder the song got to number nine larry makes no bones about it he's actually more of a country music songwriter and radio host than an actual performing artist does all right though uh, he recorded the Disney series of the children's favorite albums. But thanks to Dr. Domeno, he will always be known to us as the junk food junkie man. <laughs> yeah, in 1976, the whole U.S. went health food crazy. Mr. Natural in the song is a reference to a hippie icon and underground cartoonist Robert Crumb and his white bearded character, Mr. Natural. You might have seen him on the Keep On Truckin' cartoon, that guy. Macrobiotic was a popular health food store buzzword at the time. Whole Earth is another reference to the Whole Earth catalog, another sacred hippie relic. Yul Gibbons is mentioned in the song, a famous, uh, you know, he used to be on the Grape Nuts commercials. He was a natural food guy. But to me, this has the greatest line in novelty song history. When he says, lately I've been spotted with a Big Mac on my breath, stumbling into a Colonel Sanders with a face as white as death. (laughs) So... The song was performed by Mackenzie Phillips and the Jacksons on the June 23rd, 1976 episode of the Jacksons TV variety show. I got to see if I could find that. (laughs) That sounds cool. (laughs) All right. Number nine. I will love you anyway. You know, when I think of Chaka Khan... I think of Rufus. 
I don't think of this kind of music. It's a nice song. Yeah. Do you? I think of her, like, belting it out. Yeah. yeah. I am a woman, you know, or, you know, that song. Yeah, she's got a great voice, though. Absolutely. So, so this is Sweet Thing by Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Off the album, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Uh, her real name, Yvette Marie Stevens. I think we talked about that before. This one got yep. to number five, and uh, Shaka wrote this song with Tony Maiden, the guitarist in her band, Rufus. Yeah, she said, I told all of my boyfriends around at the time that it was them that inspired the song. In fact, it was Tony Maiden, who was my real boyfriend at the time. The song was just spontaneous. Tony and I were just sitting around and it happened. We had that kind of chemistry and it was that kind of situation. We wrote the song in five minutes. It's really chemistry when it boils down to it. Rufus and I had amazing chemistry. That's what was underneath it all and the love we had for each other. And we talked about how Rufus, uh, the name came from a column in Popular Mechanics called Ask Rufus. And Shaka's still with us. She's 69. All right. I think I agonized you this last time. This was number 23. This is Nazareth. Love hurts. Have anything else to add? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I'll let you off the hook. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, there's, I thought Tangerine didn't have any words. I know this song. It doesn't have one word, right? No, it's, no, it's not swat and swat and swat and swat. <laughs> I think you've used yeah, this as bumper swat. music. You've used this as bumper music for our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this, oh, go ahead. Those of you listening to many of our episodes, Mark start, starts off the episode with famous or infamous or songs you don't even remember from uh, TV shows from the 70s. And I tell you, they did a great job with theme songs back then. And I don't watch any new TV. And they go, you know, that's... It's a lost thing because they want to use that time for commercials now. Some of these theme songs went went on 35 seconds, uh, a minute. And uh, they're just like, no, no, we can sell that advertising. So, yeah, lost, lost yeah I think of genre. Yeah, like like Frasier, you know, they has that little jingle at the beginning, you know, with the skyline, and, and it starts. Okay. Yeah. And uh, which is very good and clever, but it's no uh, like intro to Dallas or the Six Million Dollar Man or this show or yeah, Bojack. Yeah, then you look Mary at like, Moore. the 1960s where with things like Gilligan's Island or Bewitched, they, they gave you like the whole Beverly Hillbillies. Plot. Yeah, the whole plot of the show was in the opening. Yeah. The Munsters. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Anything about the uh, Rhythm Heritage that we missed last time around? Um, I don't think so, other than they had also the hit with Beretta's theme that was on our episode four from uh, May 29th, 1976, yeah. and that one got to number 27. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. 
You must have made up rowback words for this song. <laughs> like like coming in the door, you know. Oh. <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and spelting out. <laughs> you know, something nights or lonely mornings. Yeah. Or... I, don't, I don't think so. It's not like garbage night. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this garbage is... night. <laughs> yeah. What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to pick up the bales. <laughs> yeah, so this is Lonely Night, parentheses, Angel Face by the Captain and Tennille off of Song of Joy. This one got to number three, written and originally recorded by who else? Neil Sadaka. Yep. The guy the Russians hate. Um, <laughs> this, this is on his... Neil 19- Sadaka, the Four Seasons. They did a great version of it. Yeah. This is off of his album, The Hungry Years, in 1975. He also performed it on the January 24th, 1976 episode of Saturday Night Live. And Sonny and Cher sang this on the Sonny and Cher show in 76 as well. Wow, it's got a lot of traction. It's a fun song. And I think Catherine and Gio do a wonderful job with this. And uh, here we go. One more time. So the next thing in the countdown was a uh, an AT40 extra. It was Wayne Newton, who was on our TV show, uh, what, was Switch? Yeah. Yeah. And so... Uh, I forget the, what the song was. We're not going to play it. Well, maybe we'll, let's let's give it a was little. It, don't don't walk too fast, Daddy. Yeah, which we had on a previous countdown. Yeah, yeah. So after we're done with the 1970s countdown, we're going to do our Wayne Newton podcast. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. On to number five. I've just closed my eyes again Climbed aboard the dream weave a train <laughs> Trying to take away my worries of today And leave tomorrow Is Dreamweaver by Gary Wright off of The Dreamweaver in 1975. So we've seen Gary before with Love is Alive. Um, this one got to number two. And Gary said, in 1972, my friend George Harrison invited me to accompany him on a trip to India. A few days before we left, he gave me a copy of the autobiography of Yogi by Paramahan. Hansa Yogananda? Paramahansa Yogananda. <laughs> During the early 70s, while reading more of uh, his writings, uh, he came across a poem called God, God, God. One of the lines in the poem referred to the idea of mind weaving dreams, and he thought immediately, weaver of dreams, dream weaver. So he wrote it down in his journal of song titles. Later coming across it in his journal, the song was finished in an hour. And this song is done completely with keyboards and the synthesizer with drums in the background. 
pop rarity in the 70s. And uh, Gary was the keyboardist and frontman for the British band Spooky Tooth. Spooky Tooth, whoa! the 60s. And Gary's still with us. He's 79. Gary Wright, I think he was part of the Ringo's All-Star Band. I don't know if I saw him in that, but uh, uh, we had this record, and the only guitar on that record, on the Dreamweaver LP, was a solo, I forget the name of the song, and it was done by Ronnie Montrose of Montrose fame, you know, with a red rocker standing. So, great song. Great LP. Love it. Hate it. <laughs> now this isn't Glenn Fry. Or who's the other guy? This is this is the guy they kicked out of the band, right? This is uh, yeah, Randy Meisner. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is "Take It to the Limit" by Pete's favorite, the Eagles. Off is it Eagles the- or the Eagles or the Sweet? I don't know. You tend to put the in front of everything. (laughs) We'll call them the Eagles. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised in the 70s there wasn't a band named Eagles or the Eagles. You know, they're the Cadillacs and the this and the that, the who. Yeah. Yeah. What if they had a bite from somebody? So this is off the album One of These Nights, uh, peaked right here at number four, written by Don Henley, Randy Meisner, and Glenn Fry. And uh, this is one of only three uh, top 40 Eagles songs not sung by either Don Henley or Glenn Fry. The others being I Can't Tell You Why, sung by Timothy Schmidt. And in Timothy this- B. Schmidt. Yes. And... Uh, Wow, you know a lot about the Eagles. <laughs> and uh, In the City, sung by Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh, yeah. Uh, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings do a country duet version of this song. It appears on the album Many Sides of Willie Nelson. This was number 20 last time around. I don't know if it was on our May episode of last year, number four. Yeah, this is Love Machine Part 1 by The Miracles off their album City of Angels. This was my guilty pleasure of that uh, episode 36. Uh, this has gotten to number one. And um, yeah, the, the, the lyrics to this are great. I, I just love the whole robot computer <laughs> stuff they have in there. And that growl is, is great. Yeah. <laughs> when I was young, I never needed anyone. <laughs> Talk about clearing the dance floor. Yeah, I, I have one thing to say. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> that's the. I don't get it. That's the famous Precious and Few story I told uh, where, you know, 
you're in the car and the, the driver yells oh, shut yeah, up because yeah. he wants to hear the song and <laughs> it's, okay. it's not dream on it's <laughs> all right this is eric carmen you're gonna say it right now or maybe now here it comes Yeah, so this is uh, off his album, Eric Carmen. Um, this one peaked right here at number two. Carmen said, there's not really as much fuel in being happy as there is in being miserable. <laughs> being miserable is a great catalyst for songwriting, for me anyway. <laughs> so Carmen, when he wrote this, yeah, he thought Rachmaninoff music was in the public domain, meaning he could use it free of charge. After the song came out, or he found out it wasn't, and agreed to a settlement with the Rachmaninoff estate. <laughs> so uh, Celine Dion covered this in 1996. Her version hit number four in the U.S. and number six in the U.K. Barry Williams and Florence Henderson, a.k.a. Greg and Carol Brady, performed this on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour in 1977. I found that on YouTube and watched it today. It's absolutely horrible, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes. <laughs> well, Florence Henderson's got a great voice. Oh, yeah. yeah very. Yeah. She's a great entertainer. Very. Yeah. But <laughs> so so what was the Rachmaninoff song? I did not see any reference to exactly which one uh, he took or what melody. Okay. But, you know, maybe right. maybe Ray Parker Jr. could sue him. <laughs> or, <laughs> All right. We're going on to the number one song for the week ending, March 13th, 1976. You know, the bicentennial is just around the corner, folks. I also got a message saying that uh, that Frankie Avalon in the Four Seasons. uh, (laughs) What the hell is his name? Paul Anka in the Four Seasons? Paul not Paul Anka in the Four Seasons. <laughs> Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley is going to be at the casino uh, in September or something. He's almost as old as Willie Nelson. Yeah, up there. So, yeah, this is December 1963, parentheses, Oh, What a Night by the Four Seasons off the album Who Loves You. I wonder if Telly Savalas liked that album. <laughs> but uh, Casey said it has taken the Four Seasons 12 years to get back to number one. And according to the co-writer and longtime group member Bob Gaudio, the song was originally set in 1933 with the title December 5th, 1933, and celebrated the repeal of Prohibition. Neither lead singer Frankie Valli nor co-writer and later Gaudio's wife Judy Parker were thrilled about the lyrics. And uh, Valli didn't like other parts of the melody, so Gaudio redid the words and Parker redid the melody until all were content with the finished product. It ended up being a nostalgic love song. This was their fifth and final number one hit in the U.S., and this was the only Four Seasons song to top the U.K. charts. All right. Well, that wraps it up. And, uh, wow. Oh, oh, what a countdown. Yeah. So, uh, 
as uh, typically we do, or not typically, every time. You know, <laughs> they're very predictable. Someday yeah. we'll shock you, but <laughs> that's right. We uh, we do the the ratings. So, do you want to start this time with what we call? Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock! Yeah, I'll start because, once again, I'm lazy. Oh, just, no. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I, just feel like I can't pick anything else if they're in the countdown. So, yeah, I went to number four. All right. Uh, even though Don Henley and Glenn Fly... Fl- Glenn Fly... <laughs> Marty McFly. McFly! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. All right, you're you are lazy. I knew you were thinking, so I had yeah. it uh, I, just about queued up. I tell you what, I of, of like all the Eagles songs out there, I don't like this one much at all, too. This is a droner. Yeah. Well You know, maybe Willie right. Nelson Willie uh, Waylon Jennings added something to it. I don't know. You think so? You know what I'm going to agonize you with? A long time forgotten. Willie Nelson. Because <laughs> <laughs> you keep on saying how you don't like country music. Uh, oh my goodness. That's. There's your just reward. Yeah. Uh, although. Uh, this one was relatively tolerable. I. You know, Willie Nelson. He's a pretty iconic guy, too. It's funny. On that. Conan O'Brien podcast I was listening to. They were talking about Willie Nelson's guitar. Uh, oh, what's the name of his guitar? He's got a name for his guitar. Lucille? No. Um, Trigger. But anyway, you know, it's iconic and all these people have signed it. But And Conan signed it, I guess, when he came on the show. But Conan was describing how the guitar's got a hole in it. Not the hole that the sound normally comes out because it looks like an animal chewed out like the side of the (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, but but yeah, you're kind of lazy with the country. I was kind of lazy because I picked country because you know what? There are a lot of other things that I could have done with with this. Yeah. Um, Even though it's not a terrible countdown, but we'll get to that later. All right, so uh, what is your best song of the week? Yeah, I had trouble, and that usually means, you know, if you have trouble, then the best song. Oh, that song. means Steely Dan. Nope, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not in the countdown this week. Steve but, Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Wings. Nah, this, this, was, <laughs> this was really tough and, and, you know, overplayed as it is, I kind of went with number 16. Oh, gosh, no. Wow. You you should just be listening to Wacky 102 or I tell Lich, you, I or tell you what, in the Horn or yeah. Lappy. I, I went back and forth with this and um, another song, which I won't say, but uh, I, I also, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover is a great song as well. But, but I went with this one. Yeah, sue me. I, I picked a uh, iconic rock song. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with number five. It's my runner-up, my friend. And this, and I think I said it last summer when we were uh, in 1976. 
with Love Us Alive, and this is a big record. You know, I have it. It's from Sister Number Two's collection that she gave to me. And uh, XM Radio, and I think I talked about this last year, had their uh, their studio where people would come in and do uh, concerts. And Gary Wright came in, and he did the whole record. Uh, and I and I taped it and I put it on a CD and I had it in my car. It was it was uh, I really really like it. And uh, after uh, Stephen Stills passed away last month, they had a XM had done a uh, a live concert with him probably 10, 12 years ago, and it was pretty good. You know, there's Stephen Stills talking about stuff and you know the. The, the marketplace has changed with satellites and Pandora and Spotify and stuff like that. Well, it just got too expensive to do that kind of stuff, but it was very creative, you know, by having the band in the in the in the studio uh, doing stuff. So, uh, yeah, things go ebbs and flows. You know, you won't see Tony Orlando and Dawn with singing with uh, uh, Ray Charles anymore, or whatever. Okay. Hmm. It just doesn't happen, you know. That kind of stuff from the seventies, or even you know, in the early days of XM, the first 10, 12 years. So, yeah, or Goldie Hawn singing with the the Globetrotters. Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what? Now we're on to the bad. Yeah. All right. So, go first. All right. I thought you might have picked this one for my agonizer, but. Uh... Yeah, I went with number two. When I was young. <laughs> well, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> shut up, shut up. That's because you don't go into work anymore. You know, your only outlet to the real world is this podcast. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> you get out a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I you know, thought about dipping my toe into the dating world and it's just not in me so i guess i'm i'm doomed to be uh, just like this poor fella <laughs> but it gives a lot of inspiration to be miserable like he said <laughs> well i told you chris b i saw him at the plant a couple weeks ago and he's a little older than us and he says oh my gosh dating <laughs> so, no, I couldn't imagine it. So, God bless you. So, all right. So, I'm gonna go to my worst song of the countdown. Wow. As much as I like Doctor Demento, and I like. Dr. Domeno. This song stinks. <laughs> okay. It's funny. This was my runner-up for worst song. <laughs> and, okay. and so I agree with you. Stupid novelty song, you know. Uh, we, we got a real good novelty song in this countdown, and then then we got this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right. What, what in the world is your guilty pleasure? Yeah, um, so I went a little bit back and forth with this one as well, but I I went with number twenty-five. Well, Mark, ring it up. 
All right. Yeah, it's a good song, and and uh, you know I could sing the whole thing because I learned it in the sixth grade. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah really good. Yeah. This was a no-brainer for guilty pleasure because you know Maxine Nightingale. That is that who did this song? Yeah, you know, not in our wheelhouse. Okay, but this is a wonderful, wonderful song. Yeah. This will make you feel good no matter where you are. Absolutely. All right. So let's get to something that gets a little harder in the ranking system. (laughs) And uh, that is the story song of the week. Listen to the story about a man named Jed. The poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Um, Yeah. uh, So we we said it didn't have to be a good song. and, And I'm not breaking the rules <laughs> I, I took number 19 <laughs> wait a minute okay yeah i didn't okay. break the rules you didn't break the rules <laughs> although all right yeah so why is this a story just me telling a whole story about running the Lock and the Georgia State Patrol. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, if you listen to the words. I'm not proud of picking this one. But I didn't, okay. it wasn't that easy either. Yeah. Well, you know, my story song of the week is the other novelty song. You know I love that organic cooking. Junk food junkie. More. And they call me he talks Natural. about how he's, his hero is uh, Yul Gibbons. In the dark of night, he goes to his trunk, and then he eats all his Twinkies in the closet. Yeah. And I almost picked this one for my guilty pleasure. Um, but this is Ooh. a story song, too. Yeah. Especially the part about ducking into the Colonel Sanders. <laughs> With a Big Mac on your breath. With a face as white as death. <laughs> I tell you, it's it's actually the the lyrics of the song are are really really clever. So you think they have the same uh, uh, crowd sound as uh, Waylon and uh, Willie do? I don't know. I mean, the Waylon one sounded really fake. You know, when you're listening to it, like the crowd, you know. It, it sounds the same. I bet if we put them together, you know, no, maybe I'll do that in post-editing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have time. <laughs> All right, Mark. So now we get to the really hard part. Yeah. What are your most divergent songs? All right. Uh, this was tough, I, I, but uh, here we go. So first one I went with was number 37. Show me the way. Yeah, so you're asking somebody to show them the way. In you and in you and in you and in you. <laughs> and there you okay. go, tor- tormenting poor <laughs> Peter Frampton again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think that's divergent from number 11. Because. 
you know, you're asking to show me the way. And then Paul Simon's like, I'll show you 50 ways. I'll show you the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very 50, clever. Not just one. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you 50 ways to. All right. That's pretty good. That didn't even cross my mind. So, uh, very good. You, you get a passing grade on that. All right. Thank God. All right. Okay, Mark, my divergent songs start with number 34. We're inseparable. You're you're so close together. You're you're not going to you're not going to be when I was young all by myself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a good good choice. Good uh good divergence there. No no, no argument. Two really not great songs to listen to, but <laughs> what I should have done is I should have queued it up where he says, Oh my boy so single handedly the best first audition I have ever heard. But I didn't do that. I wasn't that clever, even though I control the, the music. So, so, so Mark, right. how would you break this countdown? Wait, hang on. All right, how would you break this countdown? Yeah, so um, did my individual ratings... I, I don't know if I should explain my ratings a little bit. Just um, so, good song is something I, you know, listen to, turn up on the on the radio. Uh, a neutral song is something that I wouldn't run to change the channel. I might try to look for something better, but I'm not adverse to listening to it. And then there's a bad song that now I'm changing the channel. And then there's Sap, which is the shut up, shut up, shut up <laughs> song. So I had 20 good songs, 16 neutral, three bad, and one sap. I gave this an A minus. It's a solid B plus, but there's some really iconic stuff in this countdown. Some really, really big songs that, that stood the test of time. So uh, Wow. Yep, A minus. Wow. Only one sap? Yeah. And, wow. And, and we're listening to it right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, let me cue up another song and I'll give you my rating. Okay. All right. A minus. That's very generous. Very, very, very generous. Okay. Which is your prerogative. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if I was going to wager on this, which we don't. We don't want anyone to waste their money wagering on this, but I gave this a B minus. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's some really good stuff like this that I forgotten. Uh, who the heck is this? The Tramps. <laughs> I wanted to say Tavares. Tavares, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, a couple novelty songs, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that. I really don't care for 
So maybe maybe on some countdown when I have the time, I'll, I'll go through and do the Mark Roback ratings. But B minus for, for me this time around. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll concede that probably on some of the songs I rated neutral, I was I was a little generous. But and so you know, could I could it have been a B plus and and you know, so maybe we're. Not not that divergent, but I I just looked at some of the really big songs in this this countdown and said, you know what, um, a lot of stuff in you know, twenty good songs. That's at least a, a you know a B in yeah. my book. So yeah, All right. but, you know it's it's opinion and it's taste. So yep. Okay, so that's it. Episode number 45 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. It's the week ending March 13th, 1976. And so uh, as we roll it out of here, Mark, uh, what would Casey say? Casey would say, keep taking it to the limit and keep taking it like a man. And uh, keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned. And you can find us on the Twitter machine at 70s Weekly. Or at seven zero weekly, and uh, Mark uh, Mark probably puts about ten things out a week, which are pretty good. I see them, and, and it makes me smile. And uh, uh, did you put out the uh, Goldie Hawn and the, and the Harlem Globetrotters last week? I actually put it out just before uh, we started recording this episode. Yeah. Okay, well, that's right. out there. That that's a good one. Yeah, people should yeah. go out and watch that. That's a lot of fun. It is. And I tell you, I didn't know Curly Neal could sing that way or Meadowlark Lemon. Yeah. So they were really good. I mean, they're yeah. entertainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, just watching that brought a smile to my face, just the nostalgic part of it. So, yes, so you, you'll find things like that that I'll post out there on the Twitter or other 70s nostalgia stuff. All right, well, get ready for the Bicentennial. It's right around the corner. And uh, get your Uncle Sam hat. And uh, we'll be seeing you next week, Mark. All right. You too.